Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope. Brought to you by the Sensory Learning Center with host and mother of a recovering child with autism, Betsy Hicks. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Betsy and her guests illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Betsy Hicks. Hello and welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope. And today we have a fabulous guest. We have Nikki, F- Nikki Fisher, who is the founder and publisher of the Autism Perspective magazine. Um, first, I want to thank the Sensory Learning Center for sponsoring our show. And then I wanted to tell you, if you want to downsize um, right now and quickly pull up her, um, or, or excuse me, minimize your um, computer right now and quickly put on her website, it is Autism Perspective. Perspective.org, and you can take a good look at this magazine while we're we're speaking of it. It's AutismPerspective.org. It's actually, Betsy, it's the Autism Perspective. Oh, I'm no glad problem. you No problem. <laughs> <laughs> so glad you interjected, um, Nikki. Let's talk about. Well, first, let let me explain what the the magazine is. The Autism Perspective magazine basically was founded upon the passion and the the passion of philosophy that those living and treating the autism spectrum disorders and pervasive developmental disorders should have a single resource that presents the full perspective of options to encourage and inspire us to make every family feel a little less alone in its struggles, hopes, and dreams. Individuals with autism spectrum disorders are able to speak honestly about their world and their past, present, and future in this magazine. And those living with autism, whether challenged by the condition itself or facing the challenges of children, relations, or friends, are given an open forum to share personal experiences, challenges, and triumphs. Such a huge need. Nikki, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. I always enjoy trying to get the word out about the magazine. Well, this is important because this show is about... There's, there's nothing profitable about this show. This show is completely about getting the word out. It's not about sponsoring one particular thing that is, you know, the, the, the beginning and end all to autism. We all have the perspective and the understanding that there are many different modalities of healing. And I want to talk to you about that because, um, you know, my son is 13, just mm-hmm. had his birthday, and... Uh, Back when he was young, there weren't a lot of choices. You basically mm-hmm. took what was out there. It was basically you either did meds or you didn't do meds. Those were mm-hmm. <laughs> your choices. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of options. <laughs> and um, today, it is mind-boggling the amount of choices. And do you feel there's almost too many choices, or or how's your, how's your feeling about the choices that are out there? Well. I think that people do need more information and more choices and more options because the more we learn about autism and the more we learn about different people with autism, we see how different everybody is. And the most important thing is to gather information and the most information that you can find so that you can make a more informed decision. And I really saw a need for a publication, and I started the magazine two years ago, and it's a nonprofit magazine that I dedicate to my nephew, Danny, who has autism. And it was so important to let people know about what everybody else was doing and what their experiences were because 
what better way to learn from somebody than through their own experiences. And what really struck me the most about the autism community, because I just dove right in and I, you know, incorporated in May of 2004 and then 58 days later I got my nonprofit status and just really talked to lots and lots of families. And what struck me the most was how divided the different organizations and providers were in their ways of thinking about what was true. Well, you know, what was true for one wasn't true for the other, and if it wasn't true for you, then it wasn't something that was even something real or that people should even try. And that, that was shocking to me because, you know, just because somebody doesn't like peanut butter, does that mean we should take peanut butter off the shelves? So, I mean, that's something that you can just, a layperson can think about. But it's, it's so important that we understand that no people are alike and therefore no two, no two therapies are going to work for the exact same person. And, and, and the thought process behind this, I mean, this is something that we really need to, to hit on because as new parents are entering this whole world of autism, because it really is a world all into its own. Well, it's an, it's, uh, autism is an industry. It is a huge industry. And as, there, as you're entering it and you go to a conference and, and, and you have a thousand choices and most of these choices are saying, if you don't do what I tell you to do, your child will never recover. Exactly. And, I mean, I'm glad you touched on that because that was one of the driving forces behind wanting to create this publication because I felt like the people that I was meeting, I mean, there was, there was all different kinds of camps of people, people that wanted to try anything, people that said their way or the highway, people that said, if you don't stay with what, I, what you're doing in your treatment with your child, then your child will regress, which I felt like parents were being held hostage by this provider because the provider was going to lose a revenue stream and people were losing sight of what was the real purpose here and the purpose here was to help the child be able to, you know, go through life and have a better quality of life and help them to be able to communicate or help them in any of the areas where they needed, you know, a little bit more help to just have a better quality of life. And it was shocking to me that people were so stuck and so adamant about the way that they thought was the truth when it's not. I mean, you know, I've had people that decided they didn't want to subscribe because they told me that I had an article about music therapy in the magazine and they thought music therapy didn't work at all. And that was shocking to me that people were so stuck in their belief system just because it didn't work for them meant that it's not going to work for you. And I, I was so surprised. But, I, but then I started, I mean, I come from the corporate world, and I didn't realize that, you know, autism is big business. It's yes. a high volume, yes. lots of dollars, and people that are desperate for answers will do, most, do and try most anything, and they're the most sensitive population that can be taken advantage of. Because when you want to take care of your child or brother or sister or somebody that is, is touched by autism, you, you'll do anything, and you'll listen to anybody. And some of the things are so wacky that I've heard of, that people have tried, but when you are taken out of your comfort zone of something that, you know, you think you're going to have a child, you think it's, you know, they're going to call it, whatever they're going to do, you have a life planned even before they're born, and that's not necessarily the road you're going to take. And because it's not the road you're going to take, you are, you're lost. Because this, you don't, you know, this wasn't the mommy and me book that you read, and this wasn't how it, the, the typically developing child was supposed to be. So, I really feel bad for a lot of parents because they, you have to go with what you think are the professionals. But I don't know necessarily if everybody's always looking out for the the best choice for the child, or maybe just the best choice for their business. Well, it goes you know, retail in general, any service oriented, everything is about. 
um, the whole new and improved. And, it, and autism has lost so much of its original, um, you know, when 10 years ago when biomedical was really starting to gain some steam and start to come out, you know, it was really about healing the body, fixing the body, getting things going. And now it is so much about looking for that magic bullet. Mm-hmm. And um, the philosophy that if it's not new, it's not good. If it didn't come out just recently, it can't possibly be um, good because everybody would have been cured by now. Right. What, what, what we're forgetting is that not everybody can be cured the same way. So something could have come out 50 years ago, 100 years ago. It could be traced back to ancient history and to biblical oils, whatever it might mm-hmm, be. Mm-hmm. But it's still, it's what is the one thing that helps your particular child or your particular self. And it's so um, uh, disheartening to me as I see parents uh, frantically exhausting all of their resources financially and time and really their whole family, their time with their family together as they um, put all of their eggs into these baskets of hope. And, and yes, there is hope, but finding what's the best one for your child is, is really the struggle. And I think that's why your magazine is so vital is because you really can read about so many different types of modalities. And then, you know, and, and this... This is truly how I feel. Pray about it. It's not necessarily a religious message. It's just a matter of what fits in your gut. You know, pray about it. Think about it. Meditate on it, whatever the word is. What fits right into your gut as to what is the thing to do? What is your intuition telling you to do? Parents are losing that. They're letting other parents dictate to them what they should do. Well, you know, when you're, when you're desperate or when you're feeling stress and pressure on your body, you do you do things that are not necessarily what you normally do on a daily basis. When we have that stress and pressure, we're taken off of our center and we pretty much base things and we respond and react in a fear-based mode. And when you're in a fear-based mode, it's very hard to think rationally. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure people can look back on some of the therapies and modalities that they've tried four or five, six years ago and shake their head and think, what was I thinking? <laughs> exactly. You know, because, because now they have a little bit more information. But when you're taking, when you're going down that road and you're not the, and that's not the road you thought you were on, you, you're really charting unknown territory without real guidance. Yes. And a lot of people don't really have, there's, there's not a plan. I mean, there's a lot of books out there. There's a lot of, you know, interesting ways to cope and different things, but there is no real way. You know, you have a heart attack, you go to the cardiologist, you, you get an angiogram, you have an angioplasty, you have a heart surgery. I mean, there's, there's a way to treat this, and it's pretty common and a consistent theme. With autism, there's really no two ways are alike, but sometimes two therapies will help two different people, the same therapy. But it's, it's not the same... It, there is no roadmap. There's other people's experiences, and that's why I saw a need for a publication that would show options and perspectives about autism without taking sides. People in the magazine, and that's parents, providers, caregivers, brothers, sisters, grandparents, people with autism, teachers, anybody who's touched by autism writes in the magazine, and they write an article from a first person's perspective, and they can only write about what they believe to be true and what their experience was on a positive note. 
They can't write about what they believe about somebody else because your opinion of somebody else is not going to be the same as somebody else. So I'd rather have people have information in a sort of like a clean, untainted form so that they can have their own choice to really look and see if this is something that's right for them. Excellent. We're going to talk more about this wonderful magazine, The Autism Perspective, right after this break. Thank you for joining us. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. We had a wonderful experience in our trip to the Sensory Learning Institute. And the main issue, to sum everything up, is that we went there with a child who was out of control and hyper, who had severe sensory issues and autistic tendencies. And we brought home a child who was vastly different. We brought home a child who plays with me and talks to me and looks in my eyes and tells me he loves me. The goal and focus of the sensory learning program is to enable the central nervous system to better process sensory information by simultaneously stimulating visual, auditory, and vestibular systems with light, sound, and motion. By challenging these three sensory systems to work together and adapt to multi-sensory input, this intervention often improves speech, perception, understanding, social interaction, coordinated movement, and the ability to learn. We invite all parents interested in sensory learning program for a child to complete the confidential assessment on our website at www.sensorylearning.com. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. Tune in on Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for Healing the Grieving Heart, the program that takes you on a journey through grief after the death of a child. Join Dr. Gloria Horsley, marriage and family therapist and bereaved parent, while she interviews and discusses with other bereaved parents and siblings how they have coped with the death of a child and gone on to create and realize new dreams. So tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for Healing the Grieving Heart with Dr. Gloria Horsley, right here on Voice America Health & Wellness. Hi, this is Mark Victor Hansen. You know me for Chicken Soup of the Soul, the One Minute Millionaire, and Cracking the Millionaire Code. And what I want you to know is that if you want to have rip-roaringly good health, listen to Health Crusades by my friend John Farley. Tune in to Health Crusades with John Farley every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, only on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Betsy. Hello, we're back with Nikki Fisher of the Autism Perspective magazine. We want you to tap into it, as the tagline says. And the website for that, once again, is www.theautismperspective.com. We're talking right now about the many choices in treatments for autism and the frustration with that. 
But I think one of the pieces that I want to hit, because I have learned some really valuable lessons through this, Vicki, Vicki, about um, the anger that you have even seen some of the parents get towards you featuring a therapy that's not something they believe in. And and I want to first almost make a public apology for times that I have done that in the past. I mean, like you said, when you first learn about all this stuff, and I used to, you know, condemn certain things and and, uh, certain things that I do and believe strongly in now. And... um, well, why did you actually condemn them? Was it because you tried it and it didn't work, or you just thought it was a bunch of just garbage? Isn't that a good question? A good question to me, you know, it's that judgmental attitude. And some of it, it was because it didn't work, but some of it was because... Um, like a preconceived notion or was, something? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And and i got to say that even now, and I've really struggled with this, but with the radio show, I've really had to lose that because I can't give information to the many people that are out there listening if I have this judgmental attitude. Now, you know, my big struggle right now is I'm very much into whole body medicine. I'm about healing the body. So it's mm-hmm. very hard for me if I have to talk about, you know, steroids or mm-hmm. some core version of chelating or eating a food that I, I think is really, really bad. I it, That would be very hard for me to stay impartial with. But being respectful now of things, for example... Um, especially our, our sponsors, the Sensory Learning Center, and they have done a fabulous job helping a lot of people. Um, and, and I am proud of them because I know of, of a therapist of that who has turned people away who she didn't feel were right for it at that time. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is a sign of a really good therapist when they say, you know what, yes, what we do helps a lot of people, but I don't think it's the right thing for your child. Well, isn't it interesting how... When people can just tell the truth, that that it actually things actually do work, and that's the thing about people with autism, is that they're very sensitive beings, and depending on where they are on the spectrum, I mean, it could be what people call low functioning, and I don't really even know if it's low functioning. I just think their bodies are broken, possibly, and their mind is working, but they can't get the words out, they can't make it happen. I mean, Sue Rubin is a perfect example of that. Here's somebody that you would see walking down the street, and just to the average eye, you would think that she was retarded. And here she is in college writing stories and talking about how how she can't help her body, and she doesn't know why her arms flail, and she doesn't know why she wants to get aggressive towards people, and she can't help herself. And if other people were able to get that opportunity to be able to express themselves the way we, as typical people, need to be have things expressed, we would understand them. But a lot of people have a very difficult time with conventional communication. There's one article in particular that I wanted to discuss in the magazine. Soma, who does the rapid prompting method, has really received a lot of grief over the years about her, her type of style and the way she brought her son Tito out of, you know, life without communication. And one family in particular who have, his, he's about 12 years, no, he's 13 now, and he's a very tall, skinny kid. And through the entire school year, and he's, he's non-communicative and he's nonverbal. Through one entire school year, this boy lost 15 pounds, and his mother had absolutely no idea why he lost weight because he couldn't express himself. She took him to Soma, and he learned how to use the letter board, and he was able to push and t- you know punch out the letters saying that he was in the cafeteria with a group of other kids, and his teacher was sitting next to him. 
and he, by mistake, knocked over some of the teacher's food onto her lap, and she screamed at him in front of everybody. And he couldn't. He had trouble associating food as a positive thing and lost all that weight. Well, when the mother found out about this, she yanked him out of that school and is now doing homeschooling. But you can just imagine how many people are trapped in these bodies that cannot get the words out. I'm on the... Uh, uh, listserv of FC world. These are people that, that can't speak but can use typing apparatus and be able to communicate. I am astonished by what I read with these people and how they talk about how people don't understand them and, and why they think they're all stupid or why they don't understand things and it's just the way that they can express or that people don't even believe that FC works. I've had people email me and tell me they're going to not subscribe because the, I'm putting articles in the magazine about FC about other people's experiences. I just find that shocking that people wouldn't embrace the fact that, my God, I can actually ha- I can understand what this person is, has been trying to communicate all this time. Let's talk about that because that's that's interesting and and an anger that really needs because it really comes down to an anger when you say to somebody, "I'm not going to subscribe because of." What you're telling people? Um, well, they, or the articles I'm allowing in the magazine, really? Or the articles, you're okay, that you're allowing, right? Because you, they're someone else is actually writing the articles, right? So that that's a very. Um, I, I have to say, and, and going back to where I used to be, mm-hmm. now, I remember um, my dear, dear friend Judy Dehart, who is one of my closest. I love her to death. She's the originator of GSCF Diet, mm-hmm. and when she originally started her listserv for GFCF Kids. I went on there being this pompous mm-hmm. person that I was, saying, how are you parents doing this, doing all this sugar, and shame on you for giving your kids sugar, and da-da-da-da-da, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. all these bad foods. And it was just like, I'm starting my own listserv, and I, I went off. Judy never criticized me. She just said, well, you know, that works for you, and it doesn't always work for mm-hmm. everyone else. And... um what an amazing woman, because she she really dealt with me at a time when I was really feeling like if everyone else wasn't suffering as much as I was, mm-hmm. wasn't working as hard as I was, then they were doing it wrong. Well, and a lot of times people are basing what they're feeling on fear. And even if it's something that might work for you or your child and you're so stuck in what it is you're doing, it's fearful to shift out of that routine. Yes. And a lot of times people don't even want to know what else is out there because they're so exhausted <laughs> and they don't even want to bother and it's kind of working what I'm doing right now and I just want to keep going with what I know. But the problem is if you go with what you know, you'll continue to do it until you know something different. And when you know something different, you'll have more options and more information. And when you have more information, you can make a more informed decision. And I think that that, that goes with anything in life. Yeah. You know, even something as basic as joining a gym. You know, you check yeah. out a few gyms before you join the gym. You don't just join this gym. And if you do, then later when you checked out the other two gyms, you're like, I should have joined that gym. That's so it's so important. Huh? It's very important. So how did you go about, though, getting your board of directors for a group? Is, is Well, considering the fact that your board of directors is so tremendously diverse. Oh, it's, I mean, it's got Greenspan, Lovas, the Mind Institute, Ken, Nar, Bernie Rimlin, um, amazing people on the spectrum, Stephen Shore, Temple Grandin, Johnny Seitz, Bill Stillman, 
um, Sue Rubin. And put so them all many, in the same room? Well, no. Actually, I, I, I created a different type of board of advisors. That was what very I, smart. What I decided to do was I didn't want this to become political. I didn't want to have board meetings where we actually sat down and we created these factions of people yeah. where we were going to have arguments and I'd be pulled in one direction or the other. I don't want to take sides. I don't do book reviews because I don't want – and you can put an ad in the magazine about your book, but I'm not going to do a review because I'm giving you my opinion. And I really want to keep the magazine where it doesn't take sides. And so what I do is I talk with the board members on a one-on-one basis where they have freedom to talk. They're not going to feel like they have to talk in front of people and give a completely different perspective based on what they want people to believe. Mm-hmm. And this way I have a one-on-one you know, contact with somebody. And I get, I get their truth, and they can feel comfortable and confident in talking to me about that and we don't have to take sides and, you know, spend the whole time in the meeting where we're just sort of being a referee. Yeah, that's got to be, that would be impossible with, with the group that you have. And they're all fabulous people. And truly, you have to remember, everyone has to remember that this their, their heart and their intention is still to help. And And maybe they have different beliefs, but it's a good thing that they do because each one of their systems has tremendously helped some individuals. Absolutely. So it's important. I mean, ABA will work for one, and then it won't work for somebody else. Floor time will work for one, and it won't work for somebody else. RDI, you know, rapid prompting. I mean, I think it's important to just know what your options are, and maybe there's pieces of different types of therapies and modalities and ways of being that might work for you. And that's why people with autism write in the magazine because I want them to always talk about their experiences because who better to learn from than people that might have been in the same position that your child is in right now and what worked for them. Yeah, that's perfect. Now, when we, we're going to take a little break, but when okay. we get back, um, what I want to talk about is some of your past issues, um, including some of the um, – you've had some pretty famous celebrities on the covers of your mm-hmm. magazine. So I'd like to – to hit that, um, you've had how many issues at this point? We're in our second year, and I'm working on the third publication. We, do, we come out four times a year. It's an 84-page magazine, 80-pound paper, architectural digest quality, and it's, uh, it's 30 to 35 articles in each issue. Perfect. All right. We'll be right back in a little bit with Nikki Fisher, the founder and publisher of the Autism Perspective magazine. Don't go away. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. We had a wonderful experience in our trip to the Sensory Learning Institute, and the main issue to sum everything up is that we went there with a child who was out of control and hyper, who had severe sensory issues and autistic tendencies, and we brought home a child who was vastly different. We brought home a child who plays with me and talks to me and looks in my eyes and tells me he loves me. The goal and focus of the sensory learning program is to enable the central nervous system to better process sensory information by simultaneously stimulating visual, auditory, and vestibular systems with light, sound, and motion. By challenging these three sensory systems to work together and adapt to multi-sensory input, this intervention often improves speech, perception, understanding, social interaction, coordinated movement, 
and the ability to learn. We invite all parents interested in sensory learning program for a child to complete the confidential assessment on our website at www.sensorylearning.com. The pressures to be thin or ideal go beyond the Hollywood headlines. In fact, those suffering from eating disorders in the U.S. number in the millions, and eating disorders such as anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, and binge eating are more common than Alzheimer's disease. Eating disorders affect men, women, adolescents, as well as young children. On Understanding Eating Disorders, Dr. Tom Scales, an internist and psychiatrist, uncovers the causes and characteristics of various eating disorders and shares his expertise on current treatment approaches. Expert guests and personal stories from some who have recovered reveal the depth of emotional conflicts of these dangerously obsessive conditions and the resolutions that work. Tune in to Understanding Eating Disorders with Dr. Tom Scales every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Understanding Eating Disorders, the cycle of eating disorders, can be broken. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Betsy. Hi, and welcome back. We are talking today with guest Nikki Fisher, who is the founder and publisher of the Autism Perspective magazine. We want you to tap into it. And uh, their website, once again, is theautismperspective.org. And, uh, Nikki, you've got a special for anybody who's listening today. Absolutely. Um, people that are listening to your show, they can log on to the website and hit the subscribe button. And when you subscribe, which is $31 a year, it's $6 an issue plus $1.75 shipping and handling. And like I said, it's 84 pages, 30 to 35 articles in each issue. And in the notes, put down that you listened to the show today, and instead of the four issues for the year, you can get one extra issue of the four issues that come out this year. And put that in the notes, and we'll go ahead and get you out either the first issue, get two of the first issues that came out, or two of the second issues, or two of the third that hasn't come out yet, or two of the fourth. You can pick, but you'll be on a special list and be able to receive that, which you can share with a teacher, a provider, a friend, somebody else to let them know about the magazine. It's a nonprofit, and, you know, everybody needs to know about options and perspectives, and I think it's so important. That's great. And once again, mention Voice America or Betsy Hicks, either one. Okay. We'll get you there. Okay, let's talk about the meat. What's okay. inside these wonderful magazines? Tell me, you know, let's, obviously you got a lot of attention with the, um, the magazine that had the faces of, I know Jerry Seinfeld was mm-hmm. on there. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jerry Seinfeld, Tom Brokaw, Paul Simon, and the president of NBC and his wife, Bob and Suzanne Wright, who have a grandson with autism, and they put on a benefit in Los Angeles uh, for their organization, Autism Speaks, and they were featured on the fourth issue of 2005. And I think we were mentioning before that each issue has, the articles are about options and perspectives. So when people talk about back issues, these really aren't back issues because people keep these, keep these as resources because options and perspectives really never are out, go out of date. You know, you read something today, an article, and you read it based on how you're feeling today. You pick up that article and read it again in a year, you're going to feel differently about just what you've learned and gained in knowledge and experience through this part, portion of your life. 
and you're going to interpret it differently. And maybe you may be open to trying somebody else's experience at that point in your life. And all of the articles in the magazine, there is no common theme in, in every issue. We have tons and tons of topics. And, you know, like I said, 30 to 35 articles about just ex- people's options and experiences. Wow. That's a lot of articles. It's a lot of articles, and I only have advertisement in the magazine that has to do with autism because I really, really wanted to just focus on providing a resource for people in the autism community where they can look at this and think, wow, this is somebody else's experience. I never thought of that, or I tried it in a different way, but I didn't try it the way this person is doing it now, and I'm, I'm going to look at it that way. And I, so, so many emails I receive from parents and teachers and are telling me that they've tried this other person's experience in the classroom and the kid is now talking or at least engaging. And that just warms my heart to know that people are sharing information. They're sharing other people's experiences through print and being able to then interpret that and then put it into practically applying it in everyday life. And it's working. And that was the goal of the magazine was to really create something meaningful that people would be able to learn about each other's experiences, and then glean whatever it is that they can use from that in their own life. You know, once I was at a um, a conference where I was speaking at, and my husband, Dr. John Hicks, was speaking at, and uh, during the lunch break, um, a gentleman came up to us, probably in his 50s. Mm-hmm. He was helping out for the day, and he wasn't real happy, and he sat down and he said, can I talk to the two of you? And I said, yes, and... Um, he was an adult with autism mm-hmm. and said, I'm really tired of doctors trying to come in here and tell us what's wrong with us. Mm-hmm. And I, I, what came to me at that point was, even with my own son, if my son stays relatively nonverbal or my son um, you know, has lots of what other people would call quirks or stims or things such as that, that, that is really not my big concern. My, my big concern is to take him out of physical pain because mm-hmm. he was close to death before. Oh. I, I, want, I wanted to take him out of the pain. Mm-hmm. But this whole perception that we have to continually change these wonderful, wonderful adults and children who have so much to give to our mm-hmm. society... You've met some fabulous people along your quest on this, um, ad- adults as well as children. And what oh, are you yeah. feeling about? Well, the, the common thread that runs through everybody that I have met that is either nonverbal, I mean, I get a feeling from them, or verbal, tell me how they don't really want to be cured, that they don't feel like there's something that, that needs to be cured. They might need a better way to communicate or find out or just a better way to have a better quality of life but so many people are so angry about being cured because they they feel like there's nothing wrong with them right and that they like their autism they might not like what happens because of the autism or because of their ways of biomedically not being able to function or whatever their problem is they might not like that aspect but so many adults that i talk to i mean temple grandin for instance i mean we talk about it all the time and she'll say that she wouldn't give up her autism for anything. It's really given her, uh, you know, an, abil- uh, an ability. And I get that same sense from so many people that I've talked to that really don't want to be cured. So does that, do you get hit with some anger in that direction too as to um, why is it 
everybody's wanting to change us. And I mean, because let's face it, from a medical standpoint, I mean, everything out there is about healing and curing and and um, and making them more like us. And making them more like us is exactly right. So. Well, I have something something to say. There's this one kid who wrote an article in the first issue, and he really summed it up pretty amazingly. He was 15 years old at the time. His name is Michael Harico. And he wrote, I mean, a beautiful essay about what it's like and what you don't know about me. He does, he's nonverbal, and all these things that people, the judgments that people put on him. And at the very end, he says, I would much rather be a whole soul in a broken body and, a, and somebody that's a whole body with a broken soul. Oh, what a beautiful thing to say! I and love that. And that was so yeah, it was so profound that he he's so astute. As are everybody that's on the spectrum, they can feel and sense everybody, and they 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 map people, they watch people, they see what upsets you, what doesn't upset you, who who you like, who you don't like, because they spend a lot of time absorbing information, and it's confusing to people because there's a lot of backstabbing and a lot of not kind behavior between people, and people with autism see this because they can feel it. And that was the most profound thing that I think I had heard, um, I still have heard, that he would rather be in his, the way he is than the way we are. <laughs> I see my son. What, what an amazing soul. And I, I watch him outside, and it's funny. Is he nonverbal? He's, he says few words, but mm-hmm. not, not sentences. Mm-hmm. Um, but has come... Oh, so, so far. I mean, mm-hmm. his, and, he, you know, even the introduction for this show talks about my recovering, uh, which really wasn't as much my words as cause I probably, if I, if I had a choice, I would just go on and on and on about what my son's recovering has been about. Because his mm-hmm. recovering has really been about fixing the inside of his body, not so mm-hmm. much the other pieces. And mm-hmm. But I look at him, and for many years, I watched him outside walking around, pacing, stimming, um, kind of talking to himself mm-hmm. in this, this, what others would call like this la-la kind of world. Mm-hmm. And I look at him now so differently as this beautiful, peaceful place that he is in. And who, you know, know what he's saying isn't making sense to anybody else, but it is to somebody. But is he still doing the same? You look at it. He's doing the same thing, but you're looking at him differently. I look at him so differently right. now because I see this beautiful soul. I see mm-hmm. this happy, happy child. And isn't that ultimately what any of us want for our children? Is just for them to be happy? Absolutely. Uh, you know, definitely. There's a cost factor, and you don't. You want to feel that your child will be able to survive without um, you providing them for forever. That I mean, I can understand mm-hmm. that, but. Um, we really have to stop losing this this concern that they have to be normalized. Well, I mean, and really, what is normal? You know, if you, if you think of yeah, I mean, if you think about it today, there are so many people on so many medications for ADD, ADHD, OCD, depression. If everybody on their medication was off their medication, we would actually probably see a lot more autism-like symptoms out there in the world. Yeah, and I feel like. I, what is really what is normal? Does normal mean you can have a conversation and sit down and relax and and be articulate and intelligent and know everything about every subject? I mean, what is normal? Right. I mean, you have you have some teenagers who swear every other word. Exactly. Is, is that ultimately what we're going for? Exactly. I mean, the peacefulness that 
and the whole soul feeling of some of these children. It's absolutely beautiful, as well as the adults. And look at all the wonderful benefits that so many of them have brought to us. I often say, as, as an adult with ADHD, and who, who's, you know, only until my son's diagnosis that I start learning about my own, mm-hmm. which many parents do face, right. I think about my ADHD is what's given me the skills that I have that a lot right. of people don't. Right. So, um, so well, you're just able to manage things and manage the stress and pressure on your body a little bit better. And, you know, depending on where you are on the spectrum, it really depends on how you deal with the stress and the pressure that's created on your body from your own sensitivity level. Yes. So that's, I mean, and you, you found a way to manage that so that, I'm sure if you didn't manage it and you didn't take care of yourself, you'd probably spiral downward like other people on the spectrum that don't have those coping skills or coping mechanisms. I really hope that people today will subscribe. You know, it's funny. Um, honestly, Nikki, uh, none of our shows before I have, if I really like necessarily pushed a product, so to say. But, but what we're pushing here is, it's information, and this is—it's untainted information because I won't let people talk negatively about other people. Because, like I said earlier, your experience—I mean, I've had people that have told me before I'm going to be introduced to a friend that they know. Oh my God, they talk a lot. They're this, they're that, and, and I meet the person, and they're the nicest person, and I thought they were really quiet. So, everybody has a different experience with other people. And that's why I don't want people to express their opinion about what they believe about something. I just want you to talk about why you believe what you believe and why you believe it and why it worked for you and how it worked for you that somebody else can now take that information and form their own opinion and then do their own due diligence and do what it is that they're going to do with that information, whether they just learned about it and thought, huh, that's not for me, or, gee, I never thought about it that way. I'm really glad I read that, and that's why I think experiences and options and perspectives are important ways to learn because, you know, how else do we open up our minds to learn about other things than through other people's experiences? Exactly right. Nikki, we're going to take a quick little break here. This is our last break, and when we get back, we'll talk a little bit more about um, some of the things that you've come across and as you've been researching for putting together this wonderful magazine. Once again, for those of you um, who are out there, theautismperspective.org. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this short break. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health & Wellness. We had a wonderful experience in our trip to the Sensory Learning Institute, and the main issue, to sum everything up, is that we went there with a child who was out of control and hyper, who had severe sensory issues and autistic tendencies, and we brought home a child who was vastly different. We brought home a child who plays with me and talks to me and looks in my eyes and tells me he loves me. The goal and focus of the Sensory Learning Program is to enable the central nervous system to better process sensory information by simultaneously stimulating visual, auditory, and vestibular systems with light, sound, and motion. By challenging these three sensory systems to work together and adapt to multi-sensory input, this intervention often improves speech, perception, understanding, social interaction, coordinated movement, and the ability to learn. We invite all parents interested in sensory learning program for a child to complete the confidential assessment on our website at www.sensorylearning.com. 
The Men's Health and Lifestyle Show with Dr. Philip Worthman explores in-depth topics of concern to men of all ages regarding their health and lifestyle in an informative and provocative way. This show is the user's manual for men, a detailed and unedited guide to male physiology. Dr. Worthman, a recognized authority in men's health and male fertility, and his expert guests stimulate informative discussions and debates in a serious yet entertaining way, from explaining how or why the male body works as it does, to dispelling myths and misconceptions about men's health and sexuality. Dr. Worthman covers and uncovers it all. The Men's Health and Lifestyle Show broadcasts each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. The Men's Health and Lifestyle Show, teaching men and what they need to know to live healthy, happy, and productive lives. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Betsy. We're back with guests. Nikki Fisher, who's the founder and publisher of the Autism Perspective magazine. This is a wonderful magazine that I hope you all go to the website of theautismperspective.org. Um, she has a special also, <clears throat> which we'll talk about at the very end. Um, Nikki, we, we, we started to talk about this subject, but we had so much to talk about at the time that I think we skipped it too quickly. And we need mm-hmm. to talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, you're presented with so many choices, so many different choices out there. And... Um, I, I think when I had talked about how we need to deal with our intuition and what we are felt that we need to do was, was an important one, but you said very clearly that it's almost you get, you get kind of garbled up when you're first faced with this because there's just so much to learn. Mm-hmm. Knowing when to move on, knowing when, when you're in something and you've really invested a lot of money and effort into something and you get to this standstill, you're thinking, you know what, this just, isn't working for me anymore. I need to move on. And it's interesting from a different perspective because as a practitioner with my husband and as a diet counselor, I have seen patients who have come to a certain level with us and they and they have been to conferences and they say, but you know what, they don't do chelation, they don't do this, so I really want to go out there. And they go out there and then they realize the grass isn't greener and then they come back. Mm-hmm. And I love that I would much rather have them go out and see what's there than always be wondering if they're doing the right thing. So there is a certain level of a pract- any practitioner or therapist has to be willing to let them go. And, and do you find that that's not typically happening? Well, I, f- I think that people just get stuck in a routine. And sometimes, you know, fear of the unknown. So even if you're doing a particular therapy or a style or whatever, it's more comfortable to just keep doing it, even if you've reached a plateau, because the fear of the unknown of if we do move away from this and try something different, is it going to, is my child going to regress? Are they going to get aggressive? Is this going to, are they going to, it's just not going to work. And I think that what the autism business as the industry has lost sight of the fact that you, we really want to help people, help people help themselves and help them be able to make, you know, just have a better quality of life. And I think that as a team, the providers should all be working together to just try to find the best, the best and more suitable 
therapy for that person and not consider it just a revenue stream. Yeah, that's, the revenue stream is huge because we, we started talking about what a moneymaker autism is becoming. And I can speak as um, in, in our practice, as was my husband when he was a, pro, a pediatrician, and he is mm-hmm. a pediatrician, but when he saw general peace for kids as opposed mm-hmm. to working with autism, I mean, revenue-wise, you take some deep, deep cuts. Mm-hmm. And that's okay because you're doing what you love and what you feel is the right thing. Mm-hmm. But um, typically, a lot of these people who are working with autism are really not in it for the money. Um, there are some exceptions to that. There's no question, and I've seen mm-hmm. quite a few of them, and they're starting to peak up more and more. But um, that that becomes that's another piece too, is to not feel that if you cannot afford to do something that is very expensive to do, that you are not failing your child. Yeah, and I, I think that people just don't know and fear. You know, in everyday life, I mean, in every industry, there's always going to be people that are on your side and not on your side, and someone's going to sell you something that you don't need or sell you something that's not very good. So I don't think the autism industry is any different than any other industry. I think that you are you are working with a, a, a subset of people that are desperate or that are fearful or that don't have any guidance. I mean, there really is no true roadmap for success. I mean, people will tell you that there is, and it, there might have been for that one person, but if you try to duplicate that, it might be a disaster. So there is no real way, like we talked about earlier with the person with the heart problems. I mean, there is a roadmap for that, mm-hmm. um, and there isn't one for autism. And I think that people just really need to be open to other experiences. And when I talk with some of these more professional and more, you know, out there and more well-known people with autism, like Stephen Shore and Bill Stillman and Johnny Seitz and Temple Grandin, they all talk about how important it was to just do a lot of different modalities mm-hmm. and just try a lot of different things because as we grow and learn, even a typical child, if you teach them basketball, then maybe they want to try tennis. And if you just kept them in basketball, they're never going to explore or experience anything else that may help them may help them interact in other ways in the world. And, but there I mean, comes it, a certain point, too, that you have to stick with something for a while in order to see it work. I mean, I... You know, when I when I look at everything from homeopathy to taking vitamins or whatever mm-hmm. it might be, it's it's not going to be better the next day. So no, you, you can't you can't text. You know, and in kind of jumping, I want to make sure that the audience is really clear that what we're not saying is you don't start vitamin B12, you know, folinic acid mm-hmm. and DMD, mm-hmm. and think that if he's not better tomorrow, you should go off of it. No, of course not. But just to be open to. Looking at other things, I mean, Stephen Shore in particular, his parents did music therapy, exercise, um, quite a few of the things all at once, and he just picked up and learned what it was that worked best for him there. But some kids I know that do, you know, certain practices eight hours a day, seven days a week, and that's all they do. So there, I mean, there's just, there has to be room for exploring other options and just reading about other people's experiences, and that's why I think the magazine is so important because it is based on someone's truth, which might not be your truth, but at least you can read about it and see if that might be something you want to explore or adapt or add a little bit into your regular everyday everyday life. And there's nothing wrong with quiet time. No. We don't need to have our kids in therapy every minute of every day. I mean, besides from being financially exhausting, 
it's exhausting to the child. They need to still be able to play and to just let their mind go to jello every now and then. There's nothing wrong with anything such as that. So, but I do see a lot of, I mean, a lot of kids, it's, it's hard for the parents. I mean, it's hard for the parents where you have to be on, you know, hypervigilance all the time and watching your child because they may have self-injurious behaviors or they may be destructive because they're so frustrated or who, who knows exactly why. If they're not able to communicate it, they're not able to actually tell you. But there are people that need a 24-hour watch, and there are people that just have so much trouble with what's happening in their everyday life that they're, they're exhausted, the parent, and they don't know what to do except do what they're doing because at least they know the outcome for that. And it, they may want to explore other things at a different time, but... You know, I'm not in those people's shoes, and I don't know how hard their life is. You know, Michelle Ilanardi, who writes in the, every issue, has three kids with autism, and they're all young. They're all under five years old. And reading her stories in each issue really gives parents that are in similar situations and circumstances somebody else that, that can identify how they're feeling, and I couldn't even imagine what that was like. So I think it, the magazine is great because <clears throat> it really does, excuse me, it really does, let you kind of get into the head of somebody else and how they're managing and functioning, even supermarket strategies. I mean, just everyday things that people can try and see if that's going to work for them just to help make your life, your family's life, your child's life a little bit easier. And I really want to present hope in the magazine. That's really the key of the magazine is to really offer hope and help people. That's very wonderful. You know, Nikki, I... I think the fact that you are not a parent of a child with autism, that it's your nephew, which obviously I'm sure you love tremendously. Oh, I was there for his birth and his C-section, absolutely. So there's no question about that. But having a little bit more of a... Um, objective? Objective <laughs> opinion, I guess, is yeah, there's definitely mm-hmm. a way to do it. That's got to be... Um, helpful to the magazine oh it is because i i'm able to really let me tell you it's not been easy sometimes when people want to write an article and they're adamant about really giving their opinion about something else and i probably because of that that i don't have it's not something at a level where it's personal where it's really related to me you know right with me as opposed to it's just being a little offset because he's my nephew i can stay objective and i do stay true to the mission of the magazine, which is to provide a source that doesn't take size and allows different points of views for people to share about their autism experience, which will help other people. And you're right, and I, I think it's because it doesn't hit right at home right. that I'm able to keep this balance between, you know, letting people bash other people because it's what I believe. Right. And it, it's my, now there are some articles in the magazine that, you know, I. I may have tried or I may not have tried, depending on whether, you know, their experience, whether it was my child or not. But I think that if something could help one family in the magazine, wouldn't you like to be that family that just read about somebody else's experience and it changed the life of your child and family? I love it. Nikki, we're out of time. Thank you so much today for being on the show. Um, I really appreciate it. Please, everybody, go to theautismperspective.org, subscribe to this wonderful magazine, and don't forget to mention Voice America or Betsy Hicks, either one, and you'll receive two um, free issues. Thank you so much, um, 
and she can explain how that's, how that's special. Yeah, well, basically what you can do is when you order, to, if you order today, we'll have a special today that you can pick which issue this year. You'll, if you order today, you'll get the first and second issue that was already out, and then you'll have two, a balance of two issues coming, and you can pick which one of those issues that you'd like to have a duplicate of. Perfect. Got it. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We'll be back with you next week. Take care. The Sensory Learning Center would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Betsy or get more information, visit autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks.